It was a lie. It was a big fat lie. You can be whatever you want to be. Do whatever you want to do. Just put your mind to it. Just look deep down inside. You've got this. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Have you ever heard somebody say to you, you can be whatever you want to do? Wait, nope. <laughs> if you did, you need to tell them to stop it and fix their sentence. Have you ever heard them say you can be whatever you want to be or do whatever you want to do? Just put your mind to it. Have you heard that? I heard that. And I found out it was a lie. It was a big fat lie. I wanted to be an Olympic ice skater. I wanted to play professional football. I wanted to be able to ride rides without throwing up. And I also wanted to be patient with bad drivers. I loved ice skating. I still enjoy it. I grew up on a lake and as soon as it was safe enough, my siblings and I would be out with our skates. I have lots of memories surrounding ice skating. Most of them are good. One of them, I remember my mom was lacing up my skates and I kept telling her, mom, can you just do it a little tighter? Please do it a little bit tighter. Dad does them really, really tight. Can you do them a little bit tighter? Please, it's better for my ankles. So I remember my mom gritting her teeth and lacing up my skates as tight as she possibly could. And as she did, she chipped her tooth. I felt a little bit badly about that. I do have lots of positive memories surrounding ice skating as well. I remember years when it was cold, but we had relatively little snow. We could put on our skates and skate all over. We could do laps around the lake, races across the lake. We could go to a friend's house without asking for a ride if they lived across the way. It was great. Other years, there would be so much snow, so much so that shoveling the rink was a real chore. Our dad would start us off with a large rink, helping us out with a snowblower. He would spend hours out there blowing the snow until this large rink was started. And then when he finished with that, he'd take a big, wide shovel and he'd do one swath right down the center of the rink on his skates. Then he would skate back and forth and back and forth and angle the shovel just so, pushing the snow a little to the side. He'd go to the end, he'd turn around and do it again, pushing the snow a little further to the side until finally the snow was off the rink and it became enmeshed in part of the snow drift. I remember thinking, whoa, how does he know how to just hold his shovel exactly the right way? My dad was a good skater. He used to speed skate back in the day. When he wasn't looking, we'd laugh sometimes at the way he'd hold one arm behind his back and keep time with the stride with the other. We laughed, but we also thought his skating was beautiful. And when I knew for sure he wasn't looking, I tried to do the same thing. I also remember my sisters and I lining up across the rink from one another, getting ready to do our double spin. Now, if you are a skater and you picture something when you hear the words double spin, I can guarantee you that is not at all what we did. We would line up on either side of the rink, diagonally across from one another, giving ourselves as much distance as we possibly could. 
One of us would raise our arm over the head, our head and then drop it down quickly, signifying the start. When we'd see the start or drop our arm, if we were the lucky one to call it, I think you just had to be the oldest one. They always called the start. So when you'd see the starter drop your arm, you'd start to skate as fast as you could to meet your partner halfway, the middle of the rink. You'd skate and skate and skate. And while you were skating, you have your right arm extended out so that when you met halfway in the middle of the rink, you would hook your arms around each other and spin in circles as fast as you possibly could, which was equal parts exhilarating and nauseating. <laughs> we'd have to take a little break in between. And then we'd do it again. And we'd do it again. I also remember laying down on the ice and looking up at the stars when we were done skating and it was really cold and we'd listen to the big booms the ice would make as it would expand and contract. When I got a little bit older, I started taking ice skating lessons with a friend. She and I took them with another lady from our church. We learned fancy things. We learned about like the inside edge and the outside edge. We learned to skate forward. We learned to skate backwards. We learned about our toe pick. We would skate forwards and then we would kind of glide with our left foot. And at the same time, we'd push off of our left foot, turn 180 degrees in the air and then jump ever so slightly and then land on our right foot, gliding backwards. Oh, I thought that was so beautiful. We practiced that over and over and over again. And I started fancying myself kind of good at it. One time in particular, I remember skating as fast as I could, and I thought, this is the time I'm going to get all this air. So I would skate and skate and skate. I planted my left foot. I spun around, put my arms in the air, spun 180 degrees, landed with my right foot, I thought, but not quite as solidly as I could. And I crashed to the ground, and I cracked my head on the ice. And then I decided, I think that's about enough for me for this. And I quit taking skating lessons. I actually had a headache for weeks. I'm sure I had a concussion now that I think back. I had a headache for a week. I was throwing up. It was terrible. Needless to say, I'm not an Olympic ice skater. I also remember wanting to be a professional football player. I loved watching football. I loved it. I had a jersey of Carl Eller. He was one of my favorite players. He was a defensive player. We'd wear his jersey. We'd wear it on Sunday during the games. And if they won, we got to wear jerseys to church that night. It was quite exciting. I actually ran into Carl Eller years later, like not that many years ago. I was at the mall, the Mall of America, and I was walking around with Kenny. It was just the two of us. We were walking around, and, and I saw this man kind of coming toward me, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I think that's Carl Eller. Now, usually when I would see somebody who was somewhat famous, which I have seen from time to time, like I ran into Magic Johnson in an elevator once. It was just the two of us in the elevator. And I kind of looked at him. and I was like, hey, like I see him all the time because I just it just feels weird to go, oh, hi, how are you? So that's normally not not my MO. But I saw Carl Eller and I immediately just went back to being a grade school kid. I saw him and I was like, went up to him. and I'm like, oh, hey, are you Carl Eller? And I forgot I was a grown up woman. He's like, yes. I'm like, I thought you were. Oh, my goodness. Purple people eaters, right? I had your jersey. It was awesome. I'd wear it all the time. You're one of my favorite players. And I'm like gushing and just going on and on and on. And he looks at me and goes, I am so sorry I have to go, but are you going to be here around here tomorrow? I was like, oh, no, actually, I'm not. But I just wanted to say hello. And I just realized I was just pretty much throwing myself at this man. 
I turned around and started to look for Kenny, and I just saw him standing <laughs> a little further back than he had been when we were first together. And he was just dying laughing. I loved Carl Eller, but that's not who I wanted to be. I knew I wasn't going to be able to be Carl Eller. He was pretty big, but who I wanted to be was John Gilliam. He was a wide receiver. He didn't play for that many years for the Vikings, I think like four. But he was a Pro Bowl wide receiver, and man, did I want to be him. I remember in fifth grade, sitting down with my friend Jack, and we decided we were going to develop a football team. So we'd look around at the other kids in our class, and we decided to assign people positions. I, of course, grabbed right away the position of wide receiver, and Jack, of course, wanted to be the quarterback. He thought he could play a lot of them, but I remember him saying, I could play a lot of them, but I think I'll just settle on quarterback. So we wrote down all these positions and, and we were kind of getting it ready. And I thought maybe our teachers would like to sponsor it or something. So I went up to my fifth grade teacher and I said, okay, um, hey, um, we're just starting a football league and we're starting our own team, but we need to get other teams. But I thought maybe we could get other teams like in the area to play against us. And so we decided we'd develop a team. And so we did that. And do you think this is something we could do? And uh, clearly very articulate. And I remember my teacher looking at me saying, there already is a football league. I was like, what? For fifth graders? I thought I invented it. <laughs> They're like, yeah, for fifth graders. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I went back and I told Jack and I went back up to the teacher. I'm like, well, we have a team we like to play. And my teacher said, but girls don't play in it. I was crushed. So when I heard things like, you can be whatever you want to be, you can do whatever you want to do, I realized this is just not a fact. Some of the things I wanted to be and some of the things I wanted to do weren't, weren't quite as extravagant, perhaps, as an Olympic skater or a professional football player. I wanted to be a flight attendant for a while. I thought that would seem very interesting, but I got motion sick. I couldn't even ride a ride without throwing up. I remember taking a youth group kid years later, after my dream had died of this. I remember going to a county fair with this girl, this friend of mine. And she was a friend. She was like a youth group kid, but we were friends. I still have those. <laughs> but we were at this county fair and we were in some ride. I think it was called the spider, but I don't know for sure. But we sat on these cars and we would go up and we would spin around. And then at some point, then they would also spin around the other way. So they're kind of spinning around horizontally and then they'd spin around vertically. And partway through, I'm like, this is not good. This is not good at all. And we get done with the ride. I walk right over to the side and I just puked, threw up my, just, threw, oh, well, sorry, threw up and threw up and it was so gross and it was so gross. And we spent the rest of our evening playing skee-ball. Um, so needless to say, I mean, I know that's not exactly being a flight attendant, but anytime I would ride in a car and look down and still when I ride in a car and I'm looking down and Kenny turns left and I'm picturing he's going to turn right. It's like, Oh, whoa, my stomach. So that was also not in the cards for me. <laughs> Hosting Saturday Night Live. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll just kind of hold out for that one somehow. Here's the thing. A lot of times people hear that. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. What's the problem with that? Here's the deal. Who's in the center of that story? It's me. It's you. You can be whatever you want to be. But what about this? 
What if this? What if our Creator has created us to be something, has created us to be someone, has created us to do something that gives Him glory and gives Him honor, but it wasn't on our original list? How do we reframe our thinking? How do we change a dream that we think is inside of us? We bring it to the Lord. We bring it into His Word, and we have communication with Him about this. Many of you know Psalm 139. It is one of my favorites. In fact, I love taking the time to read it out loud time and time again, because that psalm, more than any other, is a great perspective check for me. I love it. I'm going to read it out loud for us right now. Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Oof, only would slay the wicked, O God. Oh, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Is it wrong to want to be an Olympic ice skater? Is it wrong to want to be a professional football player? No, it is not. The Lord has created our inmost being. He's knit us together. Who we are is not a surprise to him. We were woven together by him. His eyes, God's eyes saw our unformed body. Our frame was not hidden from him. As we look at these verses, we think, wait a minute. This seems to me that there is a very personal creator who created me. 
Do you suppose he has plans for me and ways for me and a way that he would have for me to walk? Absolutely. And here is the joy of it all. As many people as we can think of, as just the wide array of people, we think of people that are our neighbors, that are our friends, perhaps. We think about people in our state. When we think about people in other states, maybe relatives, maybe friends, as we think about people across the oceans, any of the oceans across the way, God has created all of these people. Each one of these are created and knit together and God has thoughts on them. God thinks on them. God has plans for them. God thinks about each person in a precious way. Let's look at these verses just briefly again. It says that the Lord has searched us and knows us. He sees all of us. He perceives our thoughts from afar. Don't misunderstand that. That doesn't mean he's far away going, I can kind of hear a thought or two. It's not that at all. He says, I know what you're going to think long before you even begin to think it. What if God could plant in us the dream? What if God could implant in us what he would have us do? What if he could direct our thoughts? The psalmist goes on and says, you know when I'm lying down, you're familiar with all of my ways. You, in fact, you even know what I'm gonna say before I say it. You hold me close, hemming me in behind and before. There's nowhere we go from God. There's nowhere, why? Because he created our inmost being, our inmost being. God created who we are. He created our personalities. He created our spirit, our soul. He created the part of us that goes, yes, I love that. He created the part of me that loves football. <laughs> he created that in me. God created the parts of me that resonate when I hear just a rhyme that just, oh, I think, whoa, who put those two words together? I love that. God created you. He created dreams inside of you, but listen carefully. It's not the kind of thing where you can be whatever you want to be, but here's what I know for sure. You can be whoever God has created you to be. You can do whatever God has created you to do. As you surrender to Him, as you surrender your will and your ways to Him, we surrender our will and our ways to an almighty, powerful, personal Creator God. And as we do so, we find deep joy and deep satisfaction in our life. We can dig down deep and look inside of ourselves, but if we're looking at ourselves, what do we see? We see limitations. Or we could look deep down inside God's Word, and what do we see? Limitless. Limitless. Our God can do far more than we could ask or imagine. And our God can love far deeper than we could ever imagine. And our God can lead much more clearly than we could ever imagine. And our God can enable us and empower us in a much larger way than we could ever imagine. And our God can receive glory from the way we live our lives and the things that we say and the things that we do, which is beyond anything that I can imagine. Lord, would you please 
continue to birth in us the dream of who you've created us to be. Help us to want to be whoever you created us to be. Help us to want to do whatever you've created us to do. Help us to remember that you know, you know us, you see us, and you love us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.